This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 92 for Monday, October the 22nd, 2012. Today on the program, we're going to be recapping Season 3, Episode 2, entitled Sick. Sick. And doing some listener feedback and a whole big giant load of, uh, holy crap, did you see that? Awesome. Moments. So it's going to be a great show. Before we do any of that, I need to wish everyone a happy Reptile Awareness Day. I am aware of reptiles, and now that I'm happy, I can do it today. That's right. <laughs> exactly. You can be happy about your reptile awareness. Now, I should be clear and say that Reptile Awareness Day was actually yesterday. Oh. But I've come up with a new rule for the holidays that we choose to promote here on the show. Uh-huh. It can be the day before, the day of, or the day after the podcast. Or any day within the, the week or maybe month. No, 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 no. What Just about Podcast Awareness Month. Uh, there probably is one of those. Yeah. I don't know what month it is, though. But yesterday was Reptile Awareness Day. And uh, this it's comes October, to- Chris? Well, thank you. Okay. Thanks. I, uh, I forgot for a while. Yeah. Uh, every year, reptile fanatics have a day that they can celebrate and share their passion, a chance to educate others who may not know about these amazing creatures called reptiles and the habitat loss and threat of extinction that faces so many reptile species. Hmm. Now, reptiles, are they one of those... Uh, groups of animals on the planet, like insects, where there are more varieties of them than humans. Than, uh, humans. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there are more varieties of reptiles than humans. Yes. Isn't it one of the bigger groups of uh, animal varieties? I am not aware of this reptile aspect. Well, you need to go and study I up No, I need to go back in time and be uh, to yesterday and be more aware of uh, reptiles. Well, you'll I'm know aware for... that they exist, but that's about it. They you'll... eat flies and crickets. And things, yeah. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. I don't. I know there's way more species of insects than anything else on the planet. So uh, maybe there are lots of types of reptiles. There seems to be a great variety <laughs> that, of them. That's what I was getting at. There seems to be a lot of types of reptiles, similarly to insects, uh, dissimilarly to humans. I, I saw what I, I thought was a Komodo dragon once, but I don't think it was. It was a lizard that was, uh, I would say, about three feet long. That's a Komodo. Well, their Komodos are a little bit bigger than that. Even yeah, though. that's what I thought. This was in Malaysia, and uh, we went to an island, and there was a, a resort on the island that we were not staying at, but we were walking along the beach in front of the resort, and this uh, huge, flipping huge lizard got in the pool, swam to the other side of the pool, got out, and ran into the woods, or into the <laughs> just uh, needed a swim, did he? I don't know what was going on with this lizard. Whether we scared it, but it sure scared us because that sucker was the biggest thing I'd ever seen, lizard wise. Uh, yeah, lizard wise. The good. <laughs> I've seen horses, that. and horses are pretty big, but <laughs> lizards scary because you know they eat you know insects and stuff. But I'm used to like really tiny lizards that eat like really small insects. Do really big lizards eat feet? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Had, so I was afraid. Had there been anyone in that pool, they might have lost a foot. That's true. Or a hand. I was definitely not going in that pool. Okay, well, Re- Reptile Awareness Day. Go over to reptilechannel.com slash reptileawarenessday.aspx. That's the second ASP link we've had in a row on this podcast. That's excellent. Isn't it? Reptilechannel.com. You know, I do ASPX development, C-sharp.net. Well, there you go. Do you name your files like that? <laughs> they, well, they kind of have to be. All well, right. they don't have to be, but uh, yes, they're all 
either ASPX or ASCX or various did, things. Did you develop Reptile Awareness Day, the page? I did not oh. develop Reptile Awareness Day, the page. Okay. That's good to know, and I proclaim that this has gone on long enough. Well, I could go through the life cycle of an ASPX page for you if you'd like. Why don't we do that later? Okay. Right now, we're going to do this. Sick. All right, it's time for our recap of Sick. Sick. Which is episode two of season three. I'm going to jump right in. We pick up, just like the episode, actually, we pick up right where we left off last week. Huh. Daryl and T-Dog are sort of trying to deal with the prisoners who have shown up in this cafeteria and yep. kind of hold them back. Daryl tells them to come out, yep. but slowly. Very slowly. Um, everybody raises their guns because that's what you do when you encounter new survivors of this plague. Yep. And everybody else, and that's uh, Rick, Maggie, uh, and Glenn, are sort of trying to deal with Herschel and his missing leg on the, on the ground. Right. <clears throat> Glenn gets up, walks right past the five mystery men, and goes for uh, medical supplies, but comes back with a wheeled table. Right. So this is the first time that somebody uh, drew a pistol on Daryl while he was pointing a crossbow at at him. It's the first time? First time in this episode. There will be more. (laughs) There will be more. I'm just saying right now that if I had a a bead on someone with a crossbow and uh, I was telling them to come out slowly and they pulled their pistol out of their pants and pointed it at me, they would have been shot in the head right then and there. No ands, if, ors, or buts. Well, that's kind of what you're telling them not to do, right? Exactly. It's like walk out, you know, don't do anything weird. Out comes the gun, pointed at him, pointed at T-Dog. T-Dog and him both have something, you know, weapony pointed at this guy's head. They do not fire. Right, except there's five of them. So if it was one guy, you could kill him and there'd be no repercussions. You're not going to shoot one guy with a crossbow bolt and not expect the other guys to return fire. That's the problem. I'd have pulled the trigger. I'm telling you right now, I would have pulled the trigger. And you'd be dead now. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. But if I had a beat on someone and I said, come on slowly and don't do anything rash, and they pull a gun out, I'd have pulled the trigger. All right. Daryl does not. He does not. Uh, The survivors seem to think they're a rescue team. But that doesn't last very long. Right. <laughs> they realize that's uh, not the case. So they wheel Herschel out of there. Yep. And we go to credits. Mm-hmm. Now, before we move on here, let's uh, identify who these five guys are. Okay. So we've got Big Tiny. Big Tiny. He is obviously the big dude, and he's ironically named. We've got Tomas. It's not Thomas. Everywhere everywhere I've read indicated that it's Tomas. Okay. There's no H in his name either. Okay. We've got Andrew. Andrew. We've got Oscar, Oscar, and Axel. Oscar and Axel. So Axel is a name from the comic book. Yep. So is Andrew. So is Andrew. Oscar and is not Jasper. No, Oscar. Although it's similar, <laughs> it is similar, but uh, sadly, there's no Jasper. Sadly for you. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I would have. I would have cried <laughs> right here on the air. Done a little victory I, dance. I, no, it wasn't a victory. I just I would have been so emotional about that that I would have cried. <laughs> okay. Well. Kind of wish there was a Jasper. <laughs> Me <now>. too, kind of. <laughs> um, so that's that's the five of them. Axel and Andrew. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Are those the only two comic book character names here? We definitely didn't have Big Tiny. No, we didn't have Big Tiny. Sorry, Oscar, Axel. Uh, Andrew, Oscar, and Axel, I think, are comic book names. Big Tiny and Tomas are new. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. If you're asking me, I don't know. If you're saying so, I agree with you. I'm going to say that. Someone will correct me, I'm sure. Yep. It's been a long time since I've read that part of the comic. It was. It you know, has been a while. It's 80-odd, 90-odd issues ago, so yep. <laughs> it's been a little while. Uh, so those are the five guys. We come back from our credit sequence, and 
they are making their way back through the corridors with the prisoners kind of following them, Mm -hmm. not really knowing where they're going, what's going on. They take a couple of wrong turns, but they ultimately make it back, and they move Herschel onto a bunk, and Carol tries to stabilize him or stop the bleeding Mm -hmm. by basically just mashing as as many sheets as she can against that stump of a leg. Well, why not? What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? There's not much else she can do, really. Uh, Glenn suggests they burn it to cauterize it. Right. And he offers to start a fire. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a great idea, well, but Well, you they cauterize a wound every now and again. Yeah. It, but it, 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 people have done it in the past, and it has saved people's lives. But uh, I don't know if it's a—the leg is missing. Let's burn it. Yeah. To make it better. And, and starting a fire in, indoors, maybe not a great idea. Also not so great. So they don't do that. They shoot him down. Um, the prisoners come out of the corridors to Daryl and T-Dog kind of waiting for them, and they're holding them back. Through an open door. Like, they unlock that cell or that uh, that metal gate, yes. and they leave it open. For them to come out, because they know they're coming. I know. I would have closed it and locked it and then dealt with them on the other side of a locked door that I could shoot through. That is an interesting idea. I wonder why they would. They'd have them sort of in a bottleneck, too. They would, and they wouldn't be in the same room with them, so all I would have to do is say, okay, see you later. And then go there, you know, move move on. There's nothing that they could have done. But uh, now they're, uh, he engineered it so that he would be in the same room with these five people. Is there an advantage to that? Why would they do that? I have the faintest idea. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, okay, uh, T-Dog was off to the side. Maybe it's hard to flank somebody when you're, you know, with a closed door. But with the, with they, when they come in the room, uh, they can be offset. So they're, you they know, can, good spread on them. They can surround them a little bit uh, to, yeah, to a certain two, extent. Two people surrounding five. I'm not sure if that's possible, but you can flank them anyway. <laughs> sure. Uh, that, that, that makes sense to me. If they were in that corridor behind that uh, door, that um, steel bar door, yep. they'd Daryl and T-Dog would have to be standing right beside each other, directly in front of that door, to you know point their weapons at them. Yep. And that, yes, it makes the prisoners sort of an easy target, but it also makes them an easier target, too. Yeah. I, I would have I closed and locked that door. <laughs> So far, you got all the better ideas this episode, don't you? Yeah, that's okay. As soon as they come through the door, uh, he draws his weapon on Daryl again with his crossbow aimed at him. Daryl still doesn't pull the trigger on the crossbow. That's two. That's two. I still say there's five of them, so Daryl would go down. He'd he'd be dead if he killed one of them, because he can't kill all five of them. Well... In, at this point, the, through my first viewing, I knew that that gun was the only one that they had. That's the other thing. They're always, it's the only gun, so the other guys would at le- would at best have to charge him to try and take him out. Yes, but the, he also had the uh, T-Dog has a semi-automatic pistol uh-huh. with, I assume, more than one round. If he had four rounds, then uh, then they're good. I, I'd have pulled the trigger. That's all I'm saying is that I would have pulled that trigger. Okay. And I have pulled that trigger in the past in, in tabletop role-playing games, but I'll get into that later. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you <laughs> clarified that. <laughs> I ruined... I'll get into it right now. I ruined the whole game by doing that. I was... It was... Uh, we were playing Shadowrun, and uh, we were introducing a- additional players into the game, and in the where uh, where we were in the game, I had uh, I had just killed a Banshee. Uh, no, actually, it was a griffin. Sorry, I just k- killed a griffin, and I was very my character was very freaked out at that point. And these other characters uh, came out of the woods, and I took my shotgun and I aimed it at him, and I said, "Don't move." And the first thing he did was pull his gun and aim it at me, and I'm like, "I pulled the trigger," <laughs> like, yep. and, and I shot and killed another player character that was trying to join the game because he was being an idiot. I ruined the whole game. We all went home. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah, totally. But I that's it was within my character. I firmly believe that my freaked out character at that point 
uh, with somebody pulling a, uh, a weapon on him, would have pulled the trigger. And he did. So you took your board and went home and... Well, I didn't mean to ruin the game, but the guy pushed me. He kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and I just pulled the trigger because he wasn't listening to the man with the shotgun, <laughs> which you generally tend to do. Uh, I would. Yeah. I would. Anyways, Daryl does not pull the trigger, um, and uh, he tells them, but he does tell them they're free to go. You know, they can just leave yeah, if they want. You've been pardoned. You're, Congratulations. You're, you're good. You can go. And Big Tiny kind of agrees. He says that they should maybe just leave. Awesome. Why, why are they standing around here? Yeah. Uh, Rick comes back. No, not yet. Rick tells Glenn that he has to stay with Herschel in case he dies and comes back, and Glenn has to be the one there to do what needs to be done. Yeah, that shouldn't have been Glenn. Um, no, but Glenn is confident that he can do it if he has to. Yeah, but the, asking Glenn to do it when Maggie's right there and it's her father? Well, but Rick addressed that. He said, Maggie's going to be there. Are you sure you can handle this? Yeah. And Glenn's like, yeah, I got it. Get Carl to do it. <laughs> Carl would have done it in a heartbeat. Well, he would have, and he almost did later on. And he almost did. I just, I totally, it's totally a job for Carl because Carl would have done it with a heartbeat without thinking about it, and uh, it wouldn't have the relationship repercussions that Glenn doing it would. I would have asked Carl. <laughs> yeah, but this is the zombie apocalypse. I'm not sure you need to be quite as sensitive to people's relationship uh, issues. I think, well, you know, asking someone to shoot their girlfriend's father. I, I, I get you know, it. It's bad. It's bad. I, you know, it's, if there's another option, take it. All Carl. Right. Carl's another option. It's a viable option. It's a good option. It gives Carl something to do. And he's a stone-cold killer anyway, yeah, so he, why not? Carl would have done it. <clears throat> okay, so after that, Rick comes in, kind of tells everybody relax, to relax. They don't, uh, you know, they don't need to be all freaking out, and there's, this isn't helping anything. They ask the prisoners ask why they don't take Herschel to a hospital, and they don't really have any idea of no. what's been going on. That was pretty funny. Here's part of their conversation that explains a few things. You heard about dudes going cannibal, dying, coming back to life? Crazy. One guard looked out for us, locked us up in the cafeteria, told us sit tight, threw me this piece, said he'd be right back. Yeah, that was 292 days ago. 94, according to me. Shut up! We've been thinking that the Army or the National Guard should be showing up any day now. There is no Army. What do you mean? There's no government, no hospitals, no police. It's all gone. As far as we can see, at least half the population has been wiped out. Probably more. So half the population, according to Rick, has been wiped out. How does he know that? Well, I think it's, his estimate's a bit low, but... Uh... I, I, he's just making a wild ass guess. Uh, yeah, I, I, I. That's all it can be, really. Like they don't really know. They don't have any evidence of this. He just figures we don't see any many living people anymore, so it's got to be at least half the population. Right. I would imagine. Yeah, like you said, I would imagine probably more. So they decide to. They don't really believe them at first. So they decide to go outside and show them what it's like out there. <clears throat> um, and once they get out there, I guess they start to realize the extent of the apocalypse because mm -hmm. there's nobody around. But I don't know why there would be anyone around hanging out in that prison yard, but I guess they can see some zombies way off in the distance. Yeah. And Rick also lets them know that they're all infected, and when they die, they're going to come back as one of them. That's, uh, that's pretty harsh. That is harsh. That's probably when it sinks in the most, I think. Yeah. It's like, you know what? The, the world's done, people, at least as far as we know. Yep. Uh, things get a little tense then as they continue talking and Rick tells them that they aren't leaving. And Tomas draws his weapon for the third time. 
<laughs> that's right. Um, everybody has their guns out again. Yeah, that's three. That's three. The last time. That's the last time that that happens. Oh, yes, it is. Well, Tomas tells them that they can go and like set up in that section of the field over there. Hey, you can have that corner over there. And uh, Rick's, yeah, we're going to use that for crops. Yeah, that's right. Rick's sort of like, no, I don't think that's happening. We, uh, we took this prison. We spilt blood. There's the line. He said, there's the line from the trailer. So it has nothing to do with him talking to the governor. Nope. And once again, was merely clever editing of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Those clever editors. Those editor guys and mm, girls. They know what they're doing. Gals. So they sort of realize, Rick sort of says, you know, you guys don't have a lot of options here, and there's more of us than you, and you only have one gun, and all this sort of thing. So they ultimately make a deal to clear out a cell block for them in exchange for half of the food stock that's still in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And uh, the prisoners claim that there's not much left. But they make the deal because yep. they realize they don't have any other choices. That's a good trade. Sure. They, it, both, it works out both for both of them, both groups. Considering that these guys only just found out really what's going on here, have no idea what the extent of the zombies are or how to really kill them right. Right. They need their help. They need help clearing out a cell block if they're going to live in it. Absolutely. So, good trade. So we go to commercial, and when we come back— we are with everyone tending to Herschel. The bleeding has slowed down now. Lori says they need bandages or supplies, and there must be an infirmary in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so the prisoners then, we cut back to them. They take uh, Rick and the gang back to the pantry. They explain that they never tried to break out because they could hear the zombies on the other side of the door. And if they ever made any noise, you could hear them scratching and getting excited out there. So yep. they never tried to leave. And I think they also thought somebody was coming back for them or they were expecting Well, that's what the guard said, right? I'll be right back. It's 194 days later, but whatever. Two, 294 days later. Jeez. It's a long time. I wonder where he got to. Did he get... Maybe he's reading a book somewhere and it's a really good part. Yeah, He'll be back soon. He's coming. I'm sure he's coming. Yeah. (laughs) There's no problem. I'll just sit here and wait. Yeah, exactly. I got food. I got a shitter. Everything's good. Well, uh, turns out there's lots of food, and Rick opens a walk-in freezer and damn near chokes to death. That was awesome. Because that's where they've been going to the bathroom. Well, wouldn't you? What? Uh, that's the best place for it. It's a sealed door. It's a sealed door. Yeah, but as time goes on, you've still got to walk in there and do it. Uh, after a while, I don't think I would. <laughs> you, you just start crapping everywhere? Well, I'm not sure exactly what I do, but uh, I'm, I, I'm not sure. But that uh, going in that chitter would be really, really disgusting after a while. You'd, you'd open the door and you'd vomit, and you'd probably pass out and poop right there in your pants. So what's so, the point of opening a door? Why not just do that outside yeah. of the freezer? Yeah, without the nasty smell. If if it was a, still a functioning freezer, it's an even better idea. It's be- not a functioning freezer. I know that. There's no power. Right. Uh, I'm just saying, if it was a functioning freezer, it's fine, because you go in there, you don't freeze to death, but you take a dump and then uh, it freezes and everything's fine i dump in the cans that of food uh, after they're empty Eat, uh, okay and then throw them in the freezer and then throw them in the freezer that's that's a good idea <laughs> i don't know it just sounds wrong though well why not <laughs> because you eat out of those yeah i know no, you, you you i know eat the food first i get and it. then you fill them up again <laughs> with the food after it's been processed for a while it's like people who go cave exploring and they don't want to leave anything behind so they crap in uh, tinfoil and wrap it up and take it out with them. Well, there's there's that's, better ideas. Than that, that sounds like the most, the least fun I can think of. You get a, you know what a dry bag is for kayaking or boating or stuff? Like yes, you I You get do. a dry bag and you can get, um, 
uh, you can get the powder, the same kind of powder they use in diapers to it like expands. Uh, once it gets wet to like mm-hmm. five times its own size and it stays solid and it keeps smelling. Mm-hmm. If you put a bunch of that powder in the dry bag, and then what you do is you poop on a um, a coffee filter because <laughs> it's biodegradable. Of course you do. And then you take it and you put it in the bag and you shake it up a little bit, get the powder all mixed in, everything's fine. Oh, yes, and it's a pleasant experience. I'm sure it's not the best thing in the world, like having a nice flushable toilet, but <laughs> it's better than... Uh, Pooping on tinfoil and then just packing it up so it gets squished in your bag oh, and oh. leaks all over the tinfoil. No, you just you poop in a dry bag with the powder in it, and you're good to go. They do that. Mountain climbers do that as well. You're not gonna poop off, poop off the side of a cliff. I'd try. Well, no, not really. And then I'd fall yeah. and die. Anyway. Uh, all right. Where the hell were we? Um, <laughs> Uh, after that, after Rick chokes to death, he uh, we cut back to Herschel, Maggie, and Glenn are talking. She regrets letting Herschel come with them to clear the zombies, and she's worried that even if Herschel wakes up and recovers, he can't walk anyways, and all they do is run everywhere. Yep. Um, Glenn tells her that they'll be fine and tells Maggie to go check on Beth. Mm-hmm. Glenn is the optimist here, <clears throat> or at least trying to stay strong for his girlfriend. Right. So Maggie goes, finds Beth in a cell, cutting one leg off a pair of pants. <laughs> she tells Beth... Uh, uh, because Herschel's going to need, you know, one-legged pants when he when he gets better. Yeah. Why would he want his pant leg dragging around? No, but you pin it up. Or tie it. Or tie it so or something. You don't have more. to cut it off. But she's looking positive ways, right? She's she, like, okay, when he gets better, he's going to want to walk around, and he's going to need pants, and while well, one leg is shorter than the other now, so we need one leg that's shorter than the other on the pants. Definitely. So she's thinking, at least. Yeah. She's trying. Um, Maggie tells Beth that she shouldn't really get her hopes up that he'll survive anyway. Um, and she reveals to the audience, really, that Herschel's been training Carol to help deliver the baby. Yep. Lori's baby. So that's good to know. That's good. Carol's so much more awesome in this season. Well, she can shoot. She's learning how to deliver babies. She's decisive. She's, uh, she's charming. She's like the medic now. I mean. Yeah. You know what? She was coming on to to Daryl. She is. Even though it didn't work. It didn't work, but she might try again. Yeah, she's super awesome this season. I, she I, is super I'm awesome. The girl. You know who else is awesome this season who is T Dog. T Dog is, is he awesome. He is a contributing yeah. member of the group now instead of just sitting there doing nothing. He's got a shield now. He does have a shield. It's like it's like uh Captain America. <laughs> Captain T Dog America. <laughs> Captain America with his shield. I like it. I'm I'm glad he's doing something. That's yeah, that's main that's the main thing. Uh so next the guys come back with some food. They're all excited. Which I'm going to call him Captain Riot now because he got the Riot Shield. Captain Riot. Okay, why not? Uh, Rick gets an update about, on Herschel and asks Glenn to handcuff him to the bed. Herschel to the bed. Right. Um, Rick and Lori talk, and he tells her about the food deal. And uh, here's part of their conversation. Well, what are your options? Kill him. If that's what you think is best. Say this now. Look, I know that I'm a shitty wife and I'm not winning any Mother of the Year awards. But I need you to know that not for one second do I think there's malice in your heart. You're not a killer, and I know that. So do whatever you got to do to keep this group safe. And do it with a clear conscience. 
So this is kind of the first time Rick and Lori have talked about things, even a little bit. I'm glad you played this, because I really wanted to talk about the uh, the shitty wife comment. Okay, what do you think about that? Well, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what makes her a shitty wife. Like, I know she's a shitty mother, and she's not a very good human being, but what makes her a bad wife? She slept with her husband's best friend and got knocked up. Oh, besides that. Um, she she convinced that, well, her that, husband to kill him see, the after. That's, uh... Okay, that's that's bad human being territory. Sleep, yeah, that's bad human being territory. And sleeping with uh, with Shane, she thought he was dead, or at least Shane lied to her and said he was dead. Right? It's not necessarily her fault. It and take, getting knocked up, how many condoms are out there in the apocalypse? But it takes two to tango, my friend. It's she's not without entirely without blame there. No, and, but it, it's it's got uh, it's it's mitigated at least a little bit. Absolutely, at least a little bit. Um, but. I, I don't know. I mean, bad mother, bad wife. She's There's not a lot redeeming about this character, ultimately. No, she's trying to support him, other than she says, what are your options instead of what are our options or what are are the options? She said, what are your options? She's separating him from her right there. Okay, she's sort of like, uh, you know, pushing him away and then trying not trying to not push him away it's just it's kind of weird she's giving him mixed signals i'll get grant you that but i'm not entirely sure specifically what makes her a shitty wife she's trying to support him well right? now sort now of. yes she's uh you know sure she tried to convince him to kill people but does that make her a bad wife but that's essentially what she's well it partly does i mean yes it makes her a bad person but i think bad wife bad person aren't that far apart right. um you know she says you know, what are you going to do about these guys? And he said, I could kill them. And she's like, well, okay, if you think that's best. It's she's like, supporting him. She, no, but he's not even saying, I'm going to kill them. He's saying, really, my options are do what we did, make the deal for the food, or kill them. Right. And she's like, well, kill them. Come on, kill them. Do it. You already killed lots of other people, including your best friend. What's Why are these guys so hard to kill? I mean, that's that's pretty evil. Yeah, that's a bad person. <laughs> but yeah. she, she's trying to support him, and that's a good wife, Right. Okay. I, you make a decision and uh, you support their decision. I, I suppose that is true. I mean, he is doing the best he can, and she's like, you're my husband, I will agree with whatever you say. Right. Good wife. Good <laughs> husband. You know, whatever, you know, your spouse decides if you're, you know, you support your spouse in their decisions. Except Or in everybody, in your decisions, like as, uh, deciding as a couple. As a couple, yes. Right. You, you don't have to blindly follow, because that just gets into other problems. Yes, dear. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, she's a horrible mother. Well, like I'll grant you that. She can't. Yeah, she's just disgusting as a human, as a as a mother. Uh, you were going to say human being. Generally, I I would go with yeah. that too. <clears throat> I just dispute the wife thing. That's all. All right, fine. Um. So everyone else then is arming up for the cell block raid, and uh, Rick and the guys are explaining the system to the prisoners and how you have to hit them in the head. Right, so they're, he's giving them all kinds of advice. Giving them all kinds of advice. Stay and, together, hit him in the head, hit him in the body, he's not going to do any good, you got to destroy the brain. Remember, if you only think, remember one thing out of what I'm telling you, hit him in the head. Hit him in the head. That's it. That's the most important thing, yeah. you know? Chop it off if you have to. Yeah. So... They get pissed off and say, we don't, you don't need to tell us how to kill a person. Right, these right, right. These aren't people. I think Daryl says, uh, yeah. these aren't people. No, it was uh, T-Dog. Oh, T-Dog. Okay, yeah. so these aren't people. Captain you Riot. Sh- you should listen to Captain Riot. Um, so we see Maggie. She comes back for a moment alone with Herschel. She's speaking to him unconscious, and she tells him it's okay to let go and stop fighting, stop staying alive, basically. She's essentially telling him it's okay to die now yep. if you want to. Um, she thanks him for everything, 
uh, and kisses him and then collapses on his chest for a little while. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty emotional scene. I thought Lauren Cohen did a great job here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it can't be easy to do something like this. No. And uh, I think she did a fine, fine, fine job. <clears throat> but Herschel hangs on. He doesn't die. Uh, he doesn't die right now. He doesn't just suddenly stop breathing and that's it. Um, we go to commercial. When we come back, the group is making their way through dark tunnels, more dark tunnels. They mm-hmm. seem to do a lot of that. It's a this. prison. It's a dark tunnel. I guess. The whole thing is dark tunnels. Um, some zombies come, and the first thing the prisoners do is break formation and charge at them and attack them and start stabbing them in the stomach and the chest and uh, hacking at their arms and yeah. all the stuff that they were told not to do. Nobody listens to advice. Herschel didn't listen to Maggie's advice. You can let go and die now. Yep. These guys don't listen to anybody's advice. Hit him in the head. Just stay together. Hit him in the head. And Rick, Daryl, and T-Dog just stand back and watch the mayhem ensue. Like, what are these idiots doing? Right. <laughs> don't help them or anything. Nope. Just we'll sit back and watch. And if they die, they die. If they don't die, well, they kill some zombies eventually. Eventually, <laughs> yeah. Maybe one will get bit. Who knows? Cut back to Herschel. They're standing around, except for Herschel. Carl shows up with a bag of medical supplies. Yeah. Uh, he said he found the infirmary, and he brought him back, and he had to kill two walkers while he was out there. But Lori gives him a really hard time for going off on his own, and uh, they start kind of shouting at each other, and um, uh, Carl tells her to get off his back. Get off my back. Crazy mom. And then Beth gets uh, jumps in and says, you can't talk to your mom that way. Yeah, that's your mother. You can't talk to her like that. And then Carl storms out. Uh, she's already telling him what to do. They're totally going to be in a relationship. <laughs> It's like they're like they're a couple already. That's right. Uh, Carol asks Glenn for help with something. He protests leaving because he has to stay there to shoot Herschel. But the women say they'll be fine, and Carol and Glenn walk off somewhere. He abandons his post. That's right. He does. Might come back to bite him. Who knows? Uh, back in the tunnels, they're killing more zombies. There, there's, there's lots of the, there's this zombie attack in the tunnels. There are lots of them at very close quarters, and it really freaked me out. Yeah, I'm like, I would not want to be there. No, because the chances of just getting even hit with a stray swing of somebody's machete or something, it would yep. be really, really easy I'm, in that close. Corner. I'm claustrophobic. That would be bad, bad, would, bad, bad. It would be really bad. Big Tiny kind of backs away. Never back up. No, doesn't he know he's in a horror movie or a horror television show? You don't back up. No, you don't back up into a mystery dark tunnel if there's music playing and there are cameras in front of you don't back up this is why they're supposed to stay in formation too right. they put their backs to each other not to mystery land right and they're not doing that of course and he's backing away by himself um he gets kind of caught up by three walkers and uh he ends up uh he ends up getting bit by one of them i guess yeah. it's like if you're in a soap opera you never walk into an elevator without looking first because if you do that and you're in a soap opera, th- th- there's going to be no elevator there and you're going to fall down the shaft. Oh, right, right, right. Make sure the elevator's actually there. That's right. Don't be talking to someone and back into it. So the the whole thing is you got to know what kind of television show you're in at any given time. If you're in a horror, don't back up. If you're in a soap opera... Look where you're look, going. Look, look, look before you get on an elevator. Or across the street, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about a comedy trope. Um, if you're in a comedy... I guess the secret to life is knowing what kind of television show you're Don't in. bend over because you'll split your pants. Uh, that's true. How about that? That's pretty good. <laughs> um, anyways, Big Tiny has been bitten. Now they stand around arguing for a minute. Well, hold on. We've got to go back here. We've got to uh, go back. Okay, so he doesn't get bitten. Well, he, he, what happens is he, uh, something to do with a, uh, a zombie that's in handcuffs. 
Yes. Okay, he's in handcuffs. This zombie, now this zombie's important, because he is in handcuffs. He looks down at his handcuffs. For me, it seems like he decided that he would do a lot better, uh, a lot better job attacking if he didn't have the handcuffs on. Yeah, we can say it. The zombie t- tears his hand off to get the hand to get one arm out of the handcuffs. Right? Doesn't that kind of tell you a, that he has a little bit of reasoning there, instead of just sort of walking straight into the? Yes, instead of just blindly going and trying to bite and continuing to do that, he reasons that I would have a better. Uh, advantage if I didn't have these handcuffs. You know, I don't know that it shows reason. I think it shows the zombie has probably been struggling long enough because they just move their arms around, right? Yes, but he looked down at them. It was the look that got me. It wasn't just ripped off because of the commotion or ripped off because that was just the, uh, the nature of things. But he looked down at them and then started to pull and the hand came off. Mm hmm that just to me it seemed like there was a bit of reason there i don't know i think maybe it had just been so deteriorated and you know he hadn't seen another living person like a food source in so long right. that he just kind of <clears throat> strained himself against them and and went up to it but if he looked down i i don't know i didn't really catch that but could be right. well he yeah so he rips his hand off right and now he's got this uh, stump with jagged bone and stuff mm-hmm. and stabs uh, big tiny in the back with well, it I'd say I'd call it more of a scrape. Yeah, okay, like, a scrape. I don't know that he really punctured Big Tiny's skin. But uh, he definitely drew blood yeah. with his scrapes. He wasn't bitten, technically. Okay, you're right. He he wasn't bitten, but um, he was... They, they assume he's been affected, so they stand around arguing about this for a little while. Uh, or, was, I think it was Rick that said he was, he's been bitten or something like that. Somebody, and I think it's an assumption. Yeah, I think it is an assumption, uh, and Big Tiny doesn't really uh, protest it, other than saying, "I feel fine. I feel fine. Everything's good. I'm nothing's going to happen." Yeah. Um, and this may be just that the prisoners still don't really understand how all this works. I'm actually kind of convinced that he might not, might not have turned. Uh, well, I I don't know. I mean, because you got to get the you get a scrape, and then you get the gore in it or your blood in it in there, right? Yeah. He it's a, there's a good possibility that just a scrape from bone without the blood from the zombie on there, which there might have been a drop or two, I don't know, but there's a possibility that he may not have turned. No, you're right. I mean, they didn't really give it enough time to figure out because Rick was saying, you're done, we got to do something about this, yep. and he was arguing. And then um, then the other dude, Tomas, steps up and just takes down Big Tiny with multiple blows to the head. Yep. And uh, the whole time I was thinking he probably wanted to do that for a while. <laughs> probably didn't like Big Tiny. This guy eats too much. Yeah. Let's take him out. Uh, so there we go. Number First prisoner is down. Poor Big Tiny is the first to go. Yeah. Outside by the fence is where we go to next. Carol wants Glenn to help her kill a female zombie so she can practice doing a C-section. Yeah. She figures, I guess, with Herschel incapacitated, she's going to need to deliver this baby. And since Lori had a C-section with the first kid, she's going to have to have one with the second kid. So much ick. Um, Glenn is totally creeped out by this, but tells her he oh, tells her over and over again that this is completely sane. Yeah. I think he's mostly trying to convince himself. Yeah, this is sane. Your reasoning is sound. It's gross, and I don't understand it, but it makes sense. <laughs> it, make, it makes sense to a certain degree. Yeah. <laughs> in this world, it makes sense. That's right. Uh, back in the tunnels, the group makes it to the laundry room. Right. Good place to be. Uh, on the way there, Daryl and Rick whisper to each other, that the uh, that Tomas probably shouldn't be trusted. He seems like a bit of a hothead. No, 
Shouldn't. So they're in the laundry room. They open a door, and they can hear zombies behind it and uh, try to clear them out. During the melee, uh, Tomas nearly hits Rick with a swing of his machete. Yep. And then he grabs a zombie and throws him right on Rick. (laughs) So something weird is going on there. After the battle ends... Rick uh, and Thomas face each other. Yeah, by this point, he, he Thomas has signed his own death warrant, as far as I'm concerned. Pretty much. He's, you know, he's shown himself to be um, rash and hot-headed and out to kill these other people. Unreliable and does not listen to advice and or follow orders, depending no. on how you look at it. Well, either way, he's, uh, he's not really playing along here. No. So, yeah, the battle ends... Rick and Tomas face each other, and uh, Tomas says, you know, it's the heat of battle, shit happens. And then there's a pause, and Rick chops him in the head with the machete. He's (laughs) like, you know what? I've had enough of you. And he just takes him out. Shit happens. Yeah, it sure does. (laughs) Um, So the other dude runs off. It's Andrew, I think, that runs off. And uh, T-Dog and Daryl maintain order in the laundry room. Rick goes after Andrew. He uh, he eventually heads for a door, and he ends up outside in a courtyard of walkers. Rick tells him to run and locks the door behind him. Yeah, I got two things about this. All right. All right. The first one is, uh, isn't it always a trope in, like, spy movies where the, uh, the master evil dude always uh, sets up the death of the good guy and then just ignores it and assumes that the death happens? That does happen, yes. Okay. Does that make Rick the bad guy? Because um, he totally does that. You better run, closes the door. We hear screaming off in the distance, but we have no idea whether or not he actually was killed. We don't see him die, but we do hear screaming, and the camera kind of lingers on Rick's face for a minute. Yeah. Sort of, you sort of just get the feeling, you know, even Rick is thinking, man, what am I, what am I becoming here? Yeah, that's, you know? that, that's really kind of an evil mastermind kind of thing to do. Well, it's an evil, evil scatterbrain mastermind, like, yeah. you know, set up this elaborate death for the hero and then do something else while it's happening and just assume it goes off fine. It's just like Scotty says, I'll go get my Glock. We'll just shoot him. Yeah, exactly. In, in uh, Spy Who Shagged Me, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just shoot him. Over and done with, right here, right now. Or, yeah. You know? We'll do it together. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That would not make for good dramatic... Right. Tension. Okay, so I just, I'm thinking that this is a kind of an evil mastermind kind of move. And uh, two, the, the good guy in these situations never does die. He always gets out of, the, out of it and uh, comes back and uh, uh, fucks shit up, apparently. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, here's, here's what I think. I think good and bad uh, and light side and dark side here are extremely skewed and difficult to nail down. Right, so we've gone plaid. We have gone to plaid, and there are light and dark sides to everybody in this. Right. So Rick may have been the good guy for a second, but he may have been the bad guy for the next second. Right. Um, but this scene was more or less taken from the comic. There is a scene where um, somebody runs away from the prison in the comic, and they just let him go. And they assume he, I don't know, I, he, 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 they just let him go and figure he can make his own way. Right. So that's kind of <clears throat> what happened here. Um, back with Maggie and Herschel, uh, she's still in there with him and Herschel stops breathing. So he's about to expire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Beth panics and Maggie backs away. Neither of them can do anything or know what to do. So Lori of all people runs in and gives CPR and chest compression to, uh, to Herschel. 
That was the best uh, chest compression in a television show or movie that I've ever seen, including ER. How can? What do you mean? Because there was actual chest compressions going on. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a dummy because we didn't see the head of uh, uh, of Herschel at that time. So I'm sure it was a uh, a dummy, but uh, you, there was actual compression of the chest, and she was doing it correctly. Uh, usually, it's kind of like you put your hands on the chest and you move your torso up and down, but your arms are the shock absorbers, <laughs> right. right? And that's completely not the way you're supposed to do it, because all you're doing is, you're not really doing anything other yep. than really lame push-ups. Push-ups, yeah. So <laughs> these are in uh, television shows, at least, and a lot of movies. This is the uh, the best chest compressions I've ever seen. That's crazy to think that of all the things they do right on this show, chest compressions are one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, well, um, she continues doing this, and amazingly... Uh, revives him. Yeah. Although he wakes up kind of with a start and swings his arm around Lori, and, you know, for a second there as the audience, you think he's eating her face off. Well, he's probably pretty lonely at that point, too, so uh, he wakes up and he goes, oh, girl. <laughs> Puts his arm around her, tries to give her a kiss. I'm not sure that's what was going through his no, mind. Probably not. But... Uh, it's just weird to give her a big hug like that. It's a little weird. I mean, I guess you take a breath and your arms go and flail around. So, for a second he's awake, Lori sort of backs off, you know, all freaked out, and uh, then and then uh, Herschel passes out again, and the camera sort of cuts around, and we see Carl pointing a gun at Herschel, ready to blow him away, yep. given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Killer Carl. Killer Carl. <clears throat> Take a break, come back, we are in the laundry again, Rick is back now, he's threatening to kill the remaining two prisoners. So what are their names? Who's left? Oscar and Axel yep. are the only two guys left. Axel's my favorite. Uh... Yeah, he's the dude with the mustache, right? Yeah, where he got the mustache wax, I'll never know. <clears throat> it's been 294 days by his reckoning, and uh, he's had enough mustache wax for all that time. I'm going to say it's uh, canned bean residue that he's you know, massaging into his mustache. I wouldn't do that if I were him. Or, or... I would eat the food. No, 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 you eat it, but there's always some something left in the can that you just can't get out, right? So he's using his finger and waxing it into his mustache. Stick your finger in your mouth. Eat the food. Don't put it on your mustache. <laughs> his mustache is clearly... Clearly very important to him. Well, maybe he's using his own feces. Or that. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> uh, so mustache guy, that's um, Axel. Axel. He is begging for his life. Yep. And uh, Oscar uh, says he's never begged for his life and he isn't going to start now. Awesome. So Rick decides to leave them alive and they deliver them to cell block D. Mm-hmm. And they find a bunch of dead prisoners on the floor. Yeah. Kind like- of in a weird... They were arrangement. Ex- executed by guards. And then just... They were shot in the head, and they all fell forward. Uh, they were all executed while the guards were trying to get away, rather than either letting the prisoners go or forcing them to die in their cells. It looked like they were all but, executed. But why would they all be lying, like, out in front of their cells like that? Why wouldn't they just shoot them through the bars and they'd be in the locked cell? Uh, uh, all I can think of is uh, come out of your cell, get on your knees, oh. put your hands behind your back, pull the trigger, they fall forward. Move to the next guy. Next! And then <laughs> go on down the line. Why That's... everybody would continue to allow that to happen or maybe they you know, were convinced by some charismatic guard that this was the only way to do it. There's people coming back from the dead. Uh, I can't let you go. There's nowhere else to go. Fine, let's just do an execution. This is a better way to go anyway. Uh, shoot me in the head, and they all allowed it. Hmm. It. I don't know. Seems a little strange, but that does sound like what happened, or <clears throat> it looked like what happened. Mm-hmm. So uh, Rick, Daryl, and T-Dog leave them there in cell block D. They each have sort of a one-liner advice as they leave, like, 
take the bodies outside and burn them. Yep. And sorry about your friends. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Daryl's a bit of a softy here. <laughs> uh, so they leave and they come back. <clears throat> Rick gets an update on Herschel. Uh, basically that Lori saved him and there's still no fever. Right. And uh, Herschel at this point sort of wakes up, removes the handcuffs. Rick removes the handcuffs and Herschel takes Rick's hand. Yep. Of all the people that are there, I don't know, maybe Rick was just the closest, so he takes Rick's hand. No, it's forgiveness for cutting off his leg. He knows that Rick chopped his leg off in order to try and save his life. Right. And now he's awake, he's like, thank you, and I forgive you. Yeah, or I wasn't sure necessarily if he was trying to thank him or if he was trying to say, shoot me in the head, I'm done. I, I'm Just put me out of my misery right now. I thought that's. I thought at first he was reaching up asking for a gun. Oh. Like, give me a gun so I can do it. No, I thought it was, uh, you know, respect, thankful, forgiveness kind of thing. Okay. Either that or he thought he was his wife. I, I don't know. <laughs> He's hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I guess he was doing that. And then sort of Rick backs off and, and his daughters come in and, and uh, hold his hand for a little while, too. Yeah. Um, outside, uh, uh, Carol starts her zombie C-section training. Mm-hmm. So she's got the zombie on the ground. She goes to slice into its abdomen and what do we see we get the point of view of someone watching her from the bushes mm-hmm. is it andrew he got away who knows who, who it is i have a theory on who it is do but you? We, we really don't know i'll tell you my theory <clears throat> is do you remember the first uh photograph of the governor released Yep. It's him standing with Red Pants Guy behind him. It's a thing in his pocket. I think it's Red Pants Guy. You think it's Red Pants Guy with something square in his pocket? I think he like is... A pack of smokes. Yes, I think he is the governor's scout, and he goes out assessing things happening in the area. Reconnoiter. Reconnoiter? Yeah, you don't know that word? No. Recon. Yeah. That's short for reconnoiter. Really? Yeah. Never heard that word in my life. It's uh, it's what it, the word is. Okay, he's the governor's reconnoiter. Re- re- recon. Okay. Recon's fine. Recon man. Um, I think that's who it is. I think it's Red Pants Guy, and I think he's hanging out in the bushes watching what's going on, um, and he sees Carol out there about to carve into the abdomen of a dead zombie, and probably I, thinking, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Or it's Andrew, and he got yeah. away. I suppose, but why would he just be hanging out in the bushes? Well, he's He's afraid. He doesn't want to leave. He's been at this place for years, probably. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's uh, it's very discon. If we if we learned anything from Shawshank Redemption, is that uh, when the long term prisoners get uh, get let out, it's really difficult to adjust. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe he's been in for years, and he gets out. And he's like, I don't know where to go, what to do. Society's collapsed. I'm infected. Uh, I got to figure out a way to get back in there. Yeah, I'm just gonna hang around until they let me back in. What? Really? Yeah, it's true. I, I just don't know if we'd see his perspective on hiding in the bushes. Well, it's very dramatic and suspenseful. It really is. I think it's Red Pants Guy. Yeah, it's probably Red Pants we'll Guy. We'll see uh, maybe next episode. Or maybe somebody know. completely new that's related to the governor. Totally. Not, not you know, related-related, like not Penny or anything, but maybe. Uh, we're talking about you know somebody that works for the governor. Maybe it's Merle. <clears throat> Could be Merle. Maybe ah, Merle. Merle wouldn't hide in the bushes. No, he'd walk right out and say hi. He'd start a fire is what he'd do. <laughs> he'd probably firebomb the place <laughs> if he could, yeah. He'd build a trebuchet <laughs> and start throwing <laughs> clay pots full of pitch. Why not? Burning pitch. They should have a trebuchet on this show. They really that'd should. A, that'd be exciting. Um, it's back- really a kind of a structure weapon, not a... You know, anti-personnel. It is. You you knock down walls. You need a ballista is what you need. (laughs) There you go. Medieval hurling weapons. That's right. 
Um, so before the episode ends, Rick and Lori are out on a bridge uh, having a conversation. He tells her that she's not a bad mother. Right. So despite what you think, Rick doesn't agree. Uh, Rick's lying. She jokes about hiring lawyers and getting a divorce, <clears throat> and they both yep. smile at this, which was a nice touch, I thought. They split their assets. <laughs> split their assets. She says, we have food now. Herschel's alive. Today was a good day. Yeah. You know, that's really all that it comes down to. And they're kind of trying to both complement each other here, right? She's, yeah. she's saying, you know, you, you did good. You've, you've kept this group safe and alive and fed and so on. And he's saying, you're not a bad mother. <laughs> you're a terrible wife and a horrible person but you have nice shoes yeah that's I right like your hair <laughs> you're she, you're less dirty today than you were yesterday she's got a good quote here she said uh they're talking about tomorrow we start cleaning yeah she's like yeah we want to give carl a safe place to do whatever he does these days yeah exactly she has no <laughs> idea she's a great mother <laughs> yeah he's going he's killing zombies and finding medical supplies but yeah. what does he do he that, just hangs around that carl guy he's uh he's, he's my son, but... He never stays in the house. Yeah. Um, Lori says to him, maybe they should talk more about us, quote, us, but maybe there's nothing to talk about anymore. So she's sort of saying, look, I, I'll I'll just give up on this marriage too, if, if you will, because there's not nothing here anymore. But what does Rick do? He puts a hand on her shoulder yep. and thanks her for what she did today. I guess saving Herschel. We appreciate what you did today. It's the saving royal Herschel, yeah. the royal we, the queen. Well, I don't know. It. I think that he's. Uh, it's kind of like he. he it's that uh, mixed signals thing. He puts his hand on her shoulder. It's an olive branch. It's a an intimate gesture between husband and wife. And then he says something like, "We appreciate what you've done today," like a slap in the face. Uh, you know, completely cold and distant. Uh, it's very, this is a messed up relationship. Well, it clearly is, but you can't blame them. I mean, they've had their issues, and there are zombies walking all over the earth. Oh, marriages have ended for way worse screwed up situations than this. <laughs> True. They should just suck it up and get over it. Yeah, so I don't think she's a bad wife, and I don't think Rick's a bad husband. I just think that uh, they're messed up, and this is the only actual relationship other than Maggie and, and Glenn, right? But Maggie and Glenn met through this situation, right? Right. They've come together to try and deal with the the way things are. Right. Uh, Rick and Lori <clears throat> are being ripped apart because of the way things are. Right. Hmm. So all we now have is uh, uh, Carl and Beth. Carl and there Beth. There are only hope. Oh, and uh, Carol and Daryl. Carol and Daryl, yeah. We'll see what happens there. Carl and Beth <clears throat> will need to get together and repopulate the earth. But before that happens, we get a wide shot of Lori standing there alone because Rick has walked away. Episode ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, there Roll you go. Roll credits. Roll credits. So <clears throat> I was I posted on our Facebook page that I thought we were going to get a whole bunch of Michonne and Andrea in this episode. So wrong. Because it was titled Sick. And I'm like, who's sick? Andrea's sick. So wrong. And look at me. It was, I was completely way off. Um, do you think this episode sort of kept up the momentum and the intensity of the first episode, or did they uh, back off a little bit to just slow things down? Oh, they did not back off. No? How many zombies did they kill? They're probably way more than, uh, it probably equals the number in the, 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 the premiere. It probably does. There were enough of the zo- enough zombies in that uh, in those dark tunnels that they continued to explore. I, I think we had more... Uh, more character development and more character study in this one than we had in the last episode, but I don't think they <clears throat> sacrificed any of the uh, the action and intensity. Yeah, we def- we definitely got a little bit more Rick and Laurie as we've been talking about. You know, yep. we we found out more about their state of arrangement 
now that they're eight months later. Right. Um, but I think the sort of quiet moments, there were, there might have actually been more, you know, so-called quiet moments in the first episode than there were in this one. Um, even though the first one, to me, just felt like it was more intense and there was more action and there was more killing and stuff like that. Um, you know, we had in the first one, we had them sitting around the fire. We had the singing. We had, you know, some of that, some of that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. here we got a little bit of talking, the conversations between Rick and Lori. But the rest of the time, it was Herschel lying in the bed, which are quiet moments, I guess, but also kind of tense. Yep. Or we got, you know, the prisoner stuff and killing zombies in the in the tunnels, which are uh, definitely, you know, a bit uh, wild and crazy because they yeah. don't know what's going on. Um, so just before we move on, the two prisoners that are left, that would be Oscar and Axel. Yep. Um, what, what, what do you think is going to happen with these guys? I mean, are they going to, they going to, uh, stay in the cell block D? Are we going to see them? Are they going to sort of join the group? Are they going to become part of things here? I think they will become part of things. I don't think that they're going to be, you know, shuttled off to the back burner. Uh, I think that they will be part of the whatever plot inside the prison. Like, because now uh, I, I will have two cell blocks that are clear, clear mm-hmm. right? I'm sure there are more. Yep, it looks like a big prison. Uh, so they'll probably go for them for help, saying, hey, we got to clear out some more of these zombies. We need some more space, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, come help us and we'll give you more food kind of thing. Yeah, and these two guys that are left, to me, are clearly the most level-headed of all five of them, Yeah, right? Um, and it's going to become evident, I think, to Rick and everybody that these guys aren't really a threat, and if we're just nice to them, they'll probably help us out. Yeah, what did Axel say? We have no, I have no affiliation with what just happened. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> I am completely independent here, and uh, I will pick sides, and if I do, it'll be yours. <laughs> yes, so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm with Axel. I think he's on board. I think he's a good guy, and I don't think he's going to play the same character he did in the comic book because he said something about, uh, uh, I like... Something about drugs. He said, I like the drugs. Uh, pharmaceuticals. I like the pharmaceuticals, but I'm not a bad person. Right. Kind of thing. So I think that they're uh, setting him up to be a much more likable character uh, here than he was in the comic book. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I They'll either, if these guys survive very long, I think they will become part of this group and probably, you know, join the main plot line more or less. Yeah. <clears throat> they'll see. die when they leave the prison, though. Uh, well, yeah, to be honest, I don't think both of them will survive that long. And if one's going to survive, it's probably going to be Axel. Right. That's my guess. All right. So there you go. That is sick. Episode two of season three. We're going to take a short break to thank one of our sponsors. When we come back, we've got some listener feedback and a whole whack. Holy crap. Did you see that moments? So thanks for listening and stay tuned. Look, I'm as high as the sun. Shut your mouth, boy, when will you learn? Mama, haven't you heard? We're sold out all over the world. Look, I'm as high as the sun. Shut your mouth, boy, when will you learn? Mama, haven't you heard? We're sold out all over the world. Mama, haven't you heard? We're sold out. Suitcase from the Yakuza. 
Hi, for you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Do we have a recommendation for the fine people this week, Jason? Yes, I do. Uh, it, Stephen King. Oh, Stephen King. You, you've, I think we've recommended some Stephen King recently. Uh, probably. I mean, I do like the Stephen King, and I've been yep. uh, listening to a lot of his uh, a lot of his books. But uh, I actually purchased this book on Audible and then forgot about it, and uh, I'm in need of another book. So I'm like, hey, I have it. And uh, <laughs> I've never read it. I don't know much about it. Is has it ever been made into a film? Not that uh, I know of. Not that I know. It's probably too damn long. Yeah, it's too long. How long is it? Uh, <laughs> 44 hours and 57 minutes. It's 45 hours oh. of Audible content for one credit. For one credit. If you have some credits at Audible or uh, if you want to sign up and get a free audiobook, you can get your money's worth with this one. 44 hours. Almost 45 hours. 45 hours, essentially. Wow. By the time you, you, know, you change from... Uh, one file to the next because I think there's eight of them. Uh, they break it down into eight-hour chunks. So, uh, yeah, by the time you do that, it's 45 hours. That's incredible. Good well, luck. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it's a great book. I haven't read it, but I'm sure it is a fantastic book. Stephen King certainly knows what he's doing. So if you want to read it for 45 hours or any other uh, title from their 100,000 title catalog, head over to audibletrial.com slash Dead. That is audibletrial.com slash talking dead for your free trial and free audiobook. Listener feedback. All right. Our first uh, listener feedback comes from friend of the show, Dave. Dave. I have a feeling this won't be the only time you hear from him on this program. And uh, just so everyone understands what's going on here, Dave called twice. The first time he tried to order a pizza, and then this was his second call. I'll bring him a pizza. What do you want? Hey, guys. Sorry about that. I got my uh, phone numbers mixed up. Uh, I must have scared the hell out of the uh, pizza shop uh, <laughs> employee. Anyway, I'm going to propose that um, a large event that happens between Michonne and the governor, I think uh, it would be really interesting to see uh, if it was Carol instead of Michonne who um, had the interaction with the governor. Those of you who read the comics know what I'm talking about. I just don't want to say anything to spoil, spoil anything for the rest of you. Uh, I think considering Carol's history, that would be a very interesting dynamic. <clears throat> uh, anyway, yeah, sorry about that. See you in church. 
Okay, the weird thing is? Yep. Okay, two things. One, I live near Dave, so what's he want on his pizza? I'll just bring it to him. Okay, well, I, I don't know. We'll listen to the other call later. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, I do believe that uh, we belong to the same church that he does. <laughs> I didn't know either of you guys went to church. Well, my wife goes to church more than I do, and uh, so maybe I will see him at church. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so Dave has a theory that they're going to... And, and he's right. I don't want to give this away too much either, but uh, he thinks that something that you know, occurs between the governor, who we haven't met in the TV show yet, and Michonne in the comic book, he thinks is going to happen to Carol. So um, kind of, uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil it, but anyone who knows sort of what happens in the comic um, might uh, might uh, have an idea of what's what Dave is referring to here. And I think it could be pretty interesting if they if they mix that up a little bit, partly because Carol's becoming a bigger part of this TV show than she sort of was in the comic, in my opinion. She is. Two things. Uh, one is that Carol would have to be a lot more badass than she is. And she's becoming awesome, and I'm really liking her in this season, but I don't think she's going to quite get to that badassery that, uh, that she needs to be in order for uh, that interaction to happen. And Michonne's already there. You do need this level of badassery for, for this to go down. So you never know. It could happen. Um, I think it will be exciting to find out how it all plays out. Uh, Nick from Florida wrote an email. 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 <laughs> Why not? Uh, and two points. Number one, T-Dog is an integral character after sitting out of season two, which we uh, talked about earlier a little bit, and I agree with that. I'm glad to see T-Dog actually doing something. Yep. And he says, Rick is now a much harder person than he was before and is channeling his inner Shane. I don't think before killing Shane, he would have killed Tomas or chased Andrew into a gang of walkers. Shane, on the other hand, would have done these things. So, uh, Oh, Shane would have pulled the trigger right off the bat. Yeah, he wouldn't None of have... None li- thinking about it. It's like you pulled a weapon. Uh, Shane, his weapon could have been uh, in his sock, and his sock would have been on the other side of the room. <laughs> if uh, Tomas had pulled a gun, he would have gone to the sock, get the weapon, come out, and blown his head off. You're probably right. In less time than it took Tomas, Tomas to get his weapon all the way up. Well, are you saying that it's too bad Shane didn't live? Instead of Rick? No, I mean it all worked out in the wash, but uh, I guess so. Nobody in the in our in our you know group of characters got injured because of those guys, <clears throat> really. So uh, no, but Shane would have totally pulled the trigger. There's no 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 doubt in my mind. Yeah, if he if, I Andrea guess so. would have pulled the trigger too, by the way, because she took the uh, the advanced class. Oh yeah, the advanced class. Yeah. She knows how to shoot a gun. Yeah. Jason from DC writes in about episode one. I really liked episode one, good balance of action and dialogue, and I was really happy with how it turned out. Given how fast the episode developed, finding the prison, clearing the inside of the prison, Herschel getting bit, discovery of the inmates, I feel like they may only spend one or maybe 1.5 seasons at the jail. Basically, I was surprised they found the jail and made it uh, that much progress in the first episode. Does this change your prediction of them spending two seasons there? And you know what? The way I'm sort of feeling it right now, the speed that they're moving through things, I do kind of feel like they might, you know, get through the whole prison storyline quicker than two full seasons. Uh, I'm not so sure because I think there's two aspects to the prison storyline. There's the clearing of the prison, mm-hmm. which is all action and uh, zombies, zombies everywhere. And then there's living at the prison which is very slow-paced and, uh, you know, uh, starting to farm and making sure everything is, uh, you know, setting up house, and this is the first time they've ever actually going to 
seriously be safe from a bunch of walkers because they're enclosed in this fence. So they got that whole fence thing. You know, I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, I think that whole uh, living at the prison aspect of this is going to take a lot longer than just simply what we've seen so far. Yeah, no, you're right about that, except that we kind of know that, you know, we're going to be introduced to the governor in the next episode. And it's within the first six or seven or eight episodes that, you know, the governor and our group come together and they don't like each other and there's a lot of tension there. So some stuff is going to go down. Yeah. So, you know, we know that that's all going to happen now. So either we're not going to get very much of this living at the prison time or the governor storyline is going to happen and all wrap up. And then we're going to move on to living at the prison and who knows what will happen after that in terms of threats and tension and stuff like that. Right. I, I, <clears throat> I think the uh, – personally, I think the governor's whole governor storyline is going to wrap up before, uh, before they leave the prison. Uh, right. And then they'll still stay at the prison. Right, or, yeah. I mean – Depending on what happens here, I mean, won't Woodbury? Wouldn't Woodbury be a, a viable place to live if the governor storyline wraps up in some way? It depends. Again, we have no idea what's gonna. What's Merle's gonna, gonna burn that place down? Oh yeah, probably. Get his trebuchet out and firebomb the place. See, well, he's got a flamethrower <laughs> attachment for his arm, right? <laughs> It'll just go off by accident one day. How can that not happen? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, all I'm saying is the way I feel right now. If they kind of stick to the comic which we know they may or may not. Right. I feel like they're moving fast and we're going to be through this prison and Woodbury storyline, you know, in one or one and a half seasons most. If they deviate a lot, which to be honest is probably the more likely scenario. Right. The prison could be, you know, an integral part of the show for a long time to come. Right. Don't really know. Okay, Nerla from Fort Lauderdale, Florida sent in an email. Now she she sent in an email that um, was sort of making me aware of an article written by Ken Tucker over at Entertainment Weekly. And uh, Nerla, I apologize. Instead of reading from your email, I'm going to go write and read from the article. Um, and uh, this, is what I, this is what I took. Ken Tucker writes, The Walking Dead returned on Sunday night for its third season and returned to its roots, by which I mean killing zombies. After a season spent largely squandered by debates about morality and the frailty of human existence with lots of maundering soul-searching, The Walking Dead needed to realign itself. Similarly, viewers, including me, need to shake off the idea that there should be deeper character development. Just because it's on AMC doesn't mean it's of Breaking Bad or Mad Men quality. We have to take The Walking Dead on its own terms, and those terms are, I repeat, killing zombies. So I have some problems with this. Some people just don't understand. <laughs> this, he, he doesn't seem to get what this show is about. No. He wants, to, he, wants a, I don't, he wants a rail shooter video game where all you do is kill zombies. He wants, uh, what's that zombie game? Uh, Left 4 Dead. Uh, yeah, there's Left 4 Dead. There's also the one in the mall. Oh, Zombie Mall. Dead Rising. Dead Rising. He wants that game. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, it, it, I find it grossly offensive that he's, he would say that just because it's on AMC doesn't mean that it's of Breaking Bad or Mad Men quality. Those are both extremely good shows, high-quality shows. Yes. I don't think The Walking Dead is any less quality than either of those. No. Nope. Um, and, uh, you know, what else can I say? He doesn't... Yeah. It, this is not the show for him, obviously. I guess not. He doesn't, you know, there's as much character development here as there is in any of those other two shows. And sure, maybe there was a little more character development in season two than zombie killing, 
but at other times there is a lot more zombie killing. So if it was all zombie killing, this show would get boring real quick. I I would you know I would uh, guess that it may not have even made it to season three if it was nothing but zombie killing, Probably not. running around killing zombies. It'd be completely unrealistic. If you had Spock, Doc Ock, The Rock, and Hulk Hogan walking <laughs> through the world just killing zombies <laughs> in the Ultimate Showdown. It would get boring after about, uh, you know, four episodes. Yeah, three and a half minutes, about the length of that uh, video. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is a little bit crazy. I thank you, Nerla, for sending this in. I got another paragraph from the article here that I can't n- not read, and he says, Of course, it takes violence committed upon a real person to have the most jolting effect, and Rick's hatchet job on Herschel's zombie-bitten leg, combined with the final seconds reveal that our humans are not the only humans in this prison— well, it made for one swift episode. I'm not looking for big season-setting themes, but I like the siege mentality that's uh, settling in among the protagonists. I'm looking forward to the fallout, so to speak, from Lori's baby, and I like the notion that we have to start wondering who's the bigger threat, the newly discovered living or the familiar dead. Um, again, he kind of redeems himself here a little bit, but if you haven't figured out who the bigger threat is amongst those two options, you're not really watching the show the same way I do. No. So... Um, interesting article. You can find that on Entertainment Weekly, written by Ken Tucker. It was his review of the season three premiere. Finally, Nerlis asks in a PS, have you tried fried pickles? And I just want to say, yes, I have. Oh, I have not. Where's my pickle juice? Uh, I'll get it for you later. Okay. I want a little shot of pickle juice uh, for every podcast from now on. Okay, no problem. There is a restaurant near here that serves deep fried pickles. Really? They're delicious. Okay, we're going to have a shot of pickle juice after this, and then we're going for deep fried pickles. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, Trevor from the internet writes in on the nature, uh, about the nature of the infection. This is something we talked about last week and he disclaims it by saying that he's not a medical, medical professional. So maybe way off, right. but I liked what he had to say. He says the virus can only infect living cells, but it can only, uh, but it can only replicate in dead cells, which I'll refer to as necrotic tissue because really how often do you get to use phrases like that? <laughs> Good phrase. The point of this is that the virus's inability to replicate in a healthy human means that a person can be infected, but asymptomatic indefinitely, without symptoms. Upon death, the spreading necrosis allows the virus to replicate. The reason that a bite accelerates this process is that a bite introduces a huge number of new microbes, as well as some necrotic tissue, to get the replication process started. The replication process kills adjacent cells. As the necrosis spreads, the replication process accelerates until death and rapidly subsequent uh, death or undeath. All right, write that down because I know it's written down already, but uh, that's great. Perfect. It's right in front of me. I'm, uh, that's it. That's the explanation. We'll keep this on file. That, yeah, that's going on file. As the official explanation. Yep. I'm on board with that. That's awesome. Very good, Trevor. And what, what was the phrase? Necrotic. Tissue? Uh, necrotic tissue, yeah. That's well, phrase. dead tissue. There yeah, you go. well, no, when do you get to use necrotic all that much? Not that much. We should use it more often. This mm-hmm. is a zombie show, after all. It is a necrotic show, after all. Uh, one more, and that's Jason, another Jason from the internet. Did we have a Jason earlier? Yes, we did. I'm a Jason from J- the internet. You're right. So uh, it's not you. And uh, this is this is one that I thought was funny. He sent that in a little while ago, and I didn't get it on the show, but I, I think it's a good one. So he says... I started watching the show when it premiered on Halloween night. I guess he means season one. I loved how all the writing was like a Stephen King book. All the characters were written with so many layers of depth. However, I did not like the violence so much and had very bad nightmares at times. Hmm. I have found by the fourth, uh, by the third season, just like the characters, that it no longer bothers me. 
much like the group I have hardened up and am pressing on. My question is, do you think the TV writers know this and will be stepping up things to counter that? P.S. I'm not a sissy. <laughs> Jason, I would never have accused you of being a sissy. No. This is a violent and horrific show. It and is. If it causes nightmares, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so to answer his question about the writers stepping it up, I think maybe we're seeing a little bit of that I think so. in season two. And I say that because in uh, both episodes, sorry, season three, in both episodes so far, there has been one clear standout moment of extreme gore and or violence that has kind of stood above the rest of the stuff. Yeah. And in the in the first episode, it was the zombie's face coming off with the helmet. Yeah, that was gross. And in the second one, it was his hand ripping off out of the uh, out of the handcuffs. Yeah. And. I just can't help but think that they seem to be putting one of these moments in each episode. We'll see what happens next week in number three. Uh, but maybe that's what they're going for. They're going for, they've kind of taken our idea. Holy crap, did you see that? And they're doing one in each episode. Holy crap, we've got to put this thing in there for people to see that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I think maybe that's what they're doing. And uh, hopefully it doesn't cause any more nightmares in people. Mm-hmm. But it may. All righty. I said we had lots of holy craps. Did you see that? So let's try and blow through them. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Here it is. Holy crap. Did you see that? All righty. So friend of the show, Dave, I said we'd be hearing from him again, uh, but he called in with this. Hey, guys. It's Dave. Friend of the show, Dave, calling. And I'm calling for my holy crap. Did you see that moment? And it actually has to do with previous episode and i think that maggie is enjoying the killing of zombies a little bit too much and i think that is going to come into play later i think she's getting a little bloodthirsty so it might be an interesting change in her dynamic thanks guys bye so i think she's becoming a little bloodthirsty and possibly careless you know if she thinks this is too easy or this is too much fun you know that's when you make mistakes going to be careful we will find out but it's a good uh, it's a good one yeah. uh mark from the real jersey shore wrote in he said i thought the writing was really tight in this episode uh he means the first uh the premiere i think especially with some of daryl's trademark one-liners on that one that especially cracked me up was when carol brought him some of the food that had been prepared by the group and commented i know if i didn't bring you something you wouldn't eat at all after this daryl glances over at the group around the fire smirks and quips I guess little Shane's got quite the appetite. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> that was a good line that uh, that uh, no one had pointed out, so that was a good one. Uh, thank you, Mark. Carl from Birmingham in the UK called in with this. Hi, guys. It's uh, Carl in Birmingham. Uh, just calling in my thoughts on the season three premiere, which uh, basically aired last night in the UK. Um, had a blast watching it. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant uh, kickoff to the season. Um, I was even willing to forgive the uh, the usual crack shot complaint of like everybody getting headshots at every you know single round that they fired. Um, but uh, but overall, I just thought it was an absolutely brilliant um, episode, and hopefully a good sign of where things to come. Um, this message is mainly because I want to do a uh, holy crap did you see that moment uh, for me the uh, big holy crap moment of the episode was uh, what the heck is going on with um, Carl and Beth that's a bit strange um, obviously she was dating Billy or whatever his name was in the last season he Jimmy. seemed like he was probably a 
18, 19. She struck me as being sort of 16, 17, maybe. Now, all of a sudden, she's fawning over a guy who's about 13, and they suddenly dress her to look like she's younger and act younger. And it just seemed a bit weird. Um, I'm guessing they're going down the Carl Loving trespass, but it uh, just seems really strange because Carl and Billy are like, Thank you, Carl. Um, I fully agree that it's a bit weird that they're going down that, that road. It is a little weird. But you know what? Maybe they're not. Maybe it was just a one-time thing, and it was there for, I don't know, to lighten the mood a little bit, and uh, that'll be it. Maybe, yeah, <clears throat> maybe it was just to highlight the protective father kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it would be totally weird and... A little bit awesome if they uh, got together when they were both, you know, 30 and 37 or whatever their age difference is. <laughs> totally weird and a little bit awesome. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, all right. We will see. They, they'll have to jump ahead in time years and then... Uh, It'll never know, happen, yeah. Uh, we'll see. No, they're not, they they can't get together. They, like, realistically, they can't put them together. There's too much of an age discrepancy there. Uh, yes. 13 and 17 is way too different. It It really is. Um, so continuing the trend of Carl, Sean from Vancouver writes in when we, uh, about Carl, when we last saw him, he was crying in his mother's arms near the fire. And in season three, episode one, he's storming through doors, filing into formation behind his father and then popping a bra wearing zombie in the head. The fact that Carl leaves him, the fact that Rick leaves him alone to wander the house looking for threats shows how much faith he now has in his son. I agree with the others who've said it. He's become a child soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, absolutely agree, but I'm also glad to see it. I think this is a really fun development for Carl, and it's cool to see him being only 13 year old, thirteen years old, but able to handle himself. Absolutely. Um, Sean goes on to wonder in his email if we would eat the dog food from season one, or or what, or from episode one, or was Rick right to take it away from him? I uh, totally Rick. would have eaten the dog food. Eaten the dog food? Oh, yeah. I think I would have, too. I'd have made a casserole out of it. <laughs> I think maybe just spooning it out of the can is better. No, dog hot dog food is better than cold dog food, my friend. Oh, dog food is gross no matter what? Well, yes. I'm just talking about relativity but here. But when you're starving, you eat what you got. Yeah. Okay, Lars from Baltimore writes in, uh, his holy crap moment is Herschel's discarded leg laying on the floor as the crew exits <laughs> the prison cafeteria in the beginning of the episode. I know that it wasn't the bloodiest scene uh, and that the zombies weren't even involved. However, for me, these little horrors really drive home the discontinuity between the world of the walking dead and the safe, comfortable, civilized world in which I live. Well, look at the uh, look at it from the point of view of the prisoners there. This, some people bust into their cafeteria that they've been hung out uh, living in for uh, almost 300 days. They show up, it's like, rescue is here, and then they do all this stuff. They point weapons at you. They're, they say we're, uh, they don't say hardly anything, and they all run around like crazy people, and then they leave, and they well, left. They chop a, a guy's leg they off. They chop a guy's leg off, and then they leave the leg. Um, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! Did you guys see that? <laughs> Absolutely. You could just think them say, it, hear them saying that, and then they probably, after a couple of seconds, they looked at each other and went, "We should follow them." Yeah, and we, they did. We got to find out where they're going. <laughs> there might be more exciting stuff to watch. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ashley from the internet writes in. There was a very simple scene I really enjoyed towards the end after Rick, T Dog, and Daryl returned from depositing the two surviving prisoners in their new cell block and went to check on Herschel. Carl informs Rick. 
uh, that Lori saved Herschel, but Rick barely acknowledges her standing in the corner of the cell. He walks past her and gently lays a hand on Beth, then on Maggie, to comfort them as they look down on their ailing father. It silently conveyed his new feelings towards Lori, while also showing that he is still the sympathetic, compassionate Rick we came to know and love in the first two seasons. He hates his wife, but he's still a nice guy. I don't think he hates his wife. Well, he's, he's upset with her. I don't even know that he's upset with her. I just think that uh, he's uh, obviously traumatized and uh, it's got, you know, I don't know if there's a current version of post-traumatic stress disorder. It's just traumatic stress uh, going on in your life. And uh, in order to do what he needs to do, he needs to shut down parts of his brain. And unfortunately, the uh, loving husband to a wife part of his brain is shut down currently. At least for now, yeah. Uh, it'll be back online <laughs> later, honey. <laughs> <laughs> right now i got other things to worry about. Yeah. Uh, righty, Rich from Vancouver. So my holy crap, did you see that moment, was more like a holy crap, I just pooped a little moment. <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> when Herschel came... That's not the end of the thing, is it? <laughs> no, that's no. Not, that doesn't really have anything to do with the show. <laughs> There's more. Okay. Uh, when Herschel came back to life as Laurie was conducting CPR on him, when Herschel startled awake, reaching over Lori, and Lori couldn't seem to get away, I thought he had become a walker and was eating her face right then and there. I experienced a full-body pucker in this short <laughs> yet frightening moment. You. That's uh, great. That's fantastic. Thank you, Rich. Tyler from St. Ives, England. My holy crap, did you see that moment, came from the last scene of the episode when Rick walks away after he puts his hand on Lori's shoulder and told her he appreciates everything she did. Uh, Lori puts her hand close to where Rick touched. This is interesting because at the end of season two, when Rick confessed to killing Shane, Lori wouldn't let Rick touch her at all. Yet now, eight months on, she worships any interaction they have together. Mm -hmm. She's ready to patch things up. Him, not so much. He'll get there. I guess. Craig from Georgia sent in three. I chose one. It is Daryl telling Rick during their cell block clearing, give me the word, referring to the prisoner being a problem and needing to be taken out. Daryl's the ultimate wingman at this point. You can see the trust they have between each other. Yep. I agree with that, too. Me, too. They work well. <clears throat> uh, Rick was, uh, in my brain, Rick was thinking at that point, uh, yeah, I'll deal with this myself. Thank you. Oh, probably. And he ultimately did. Yeah. I think the decision was already made by that point. And, and, and uh, Tomas... You know, throwing zombies on him in the in the fight sort of sort of put him over the edge. That, no, I don't think. I think he was already over the edge. That it was already decided that uh, Tomas was uh, was dead. Uh, he needed to be taken out. Uh, that's why he gave him the keys and said, "Open that door." Kind of thing. It's like, okay, if the zombies don't kill you in the melee, I will. But didn't get the chance until afterwards. Right. And yeah, okay, I could see that. I mean, he knows Tomas is a loose cannon. Yeah. So there you go. Rick is, uh, he's a cold-blooded killer these days. Yep. All righty. Kent from Kentucky, about the first episode, when Carol and Daryl are ta talking on top of, oh, we already had this one, top of the overturned bus, he refers to Lori's baby as little Shane. Yep. So that's the second time we, a uh, listener pointed that one out. In Sick, the prison-style beatdown on the Zeds, complete with shanking. If it wasn't enough, the look at these idiots uh, look on T-Dog, Rick, and Daryl's face was awesome. Also, did you notice that uh, once they got the zombie for Carol to play Operation on, it was up to her to re-secure the fence. That can't end up well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we may have a hole in the fence there. But I think she's competent enough with a uh, piece uh, of wire. Carol's awesome. She's all over it. All over it. Yeah. 
Um, Mike from Ohio writes in about the walker that ripped his own hand off while trying to pull out the handcuffs. WTF. Yeah. He says that was pretty gross. And if I had to pick a moment, I mean, that would probably be it. But I also think that, like I said before, the writers seem to be doing one of these per episode. So we'll have to try harder to find things from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Finally here, Chris from Alabama writes in, my holy crap, did you see that moment from last night's episode? Has to be the look of shock and bewilderment when Rick and his crew completely disregard the convicts and Convicts in the cafeteria effortlessly kill a riot zombie and wheel Herschel out of the room, leaving a severed leg in the middle of the floor, along with some very confused convicts. Uh-huh. So that scene again. A lot of people really like that. And I think I think it was really well done. It was. You have these people, oh my God, there's five guys here, but we don't have time to deal with you right now, so we're just <laughs> going to keep doing what we do. And almost completely ignore them, except for when they should have shot them. Yeah, exactly. When they were paying attention, they didn't do what they should have done. Yeah. All right. That... Is awesome. That is holy crap. Did you see that? Thanks, everybody, for sending all those in. That's probably more than we've ever had. Oh, yeah. Or at least more than we've had in a while. And uh, <clears throat> it's fun to uh, sort of see what everyone else thinks about these episodes in this kind of format. You know, just pick a moment and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that yep. sort of thing. Yep, so yep, yep, yep. it's really exciting. Did you have one yourself? Uh, I have uh, a couple little ones. Okay. So the first one is that uh, when Herschel uh, was getting mouth-to-mouth from Lori and he woke up and he gave her a big hug and a kiss, mm-hmm. and then uh, we thought maybe he was biting that woman, uh, He when he flopped back down, we went back to uh, to Carl, and Carl had his hand, his uh, had a gun pointed at, uh, at Herschel. Mm-hmm. His left finger was on the trigger. Is Chandler Riggs left-handed? So he was holding the gun left-handed. He was holding the gun. He had, both, had it in both hands, but his left finger was on the trigger. Hmm, interesting. Maybe, so, maybe Carl's left-handed. Well, well, or Chandler is. Uh, yeah, well, that's fine. Either way. <laughs> Either way. So I just thought that was interesting. I never noticed uh, his, his left-handedness before, which makes me think back, how did he open the can of dog food? Did he do it left-handed or right-handed? Did he fumble with it? Does he, uh, the fact that he's left-handed and he has to use a right-handed can opener, a normal thing for him? Uh, so it makes me want to go back and check that out. Do they make, the, I guess they make can openers in right and left-handed versions. I, I guess. They do it at the Leftorium, owned by Flanders. Yeah, I suppose. That's true. Um, <laughs> I'm right-handed, so I have, I have no idea what have, what's out there for lefties, Yeah, for and Southpaws. Southpaws probably uh, get used to this kind of thing, too. Oh, right? yeah. They hold can openers backwards, so they can do it yeah. like this, I'm sure. And the uh, the second little holy crap did you see that moment is when uh, Carol started uh, performing practice surgery on the zombie. Mm-hmm. It was just such a, you know, there's a the dead zombie there. She lifts up her skirt and starts to cut in, and it was just like, oh. Yeah. That, that really kind of freaked me out. Well, it's, the whole thing was just creepy and icky and, and gross and... Yeah. The the skin, the way it was all wrinkled. It was and, all decomposition and just like nastiness. And the woman's hip bones are just protruding out. Yeah. Like it, it it was the least, one of the least gory things they could do, but one of the grossest. And just, yeah, she just started to cut into the skin. We didn't see much of the cut, though. No, we, it, was, it was quite enough. Thank you very much. Yeah. Watching, uh, <laughs> watching that sort of thing is uh, almost worse than seeing... Zombies getting shot in the head constantly. For me, absolutely. Or anything to do with your knees. Like somebody getting their knees <laughs> bashed with a baseball bat. Ugh, hate that. Or hands. Cutting into somebody's hands really drives me nuts. I get a hand thing. I imagine you do. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, yeah, that scene kind of creeped me out as well. I'm glad we didn't see any more of it than we 
than we did, though. Instead, we got to see some creepy, the view of some creepy guy in the bushes. So. Yeah. Uh, a stalker, prowler. What do you call those people? Uh, recon. What, what? Recon. Reconnaissance. Yeah, but what was the word? Reconnoiter. A reconnoiter. It was a reconnoiter. That's not a word. You're making that up. I'm not making it up. Reconnoiter. I'm going to look it up. Recon. Okay, well, look that up. I'm going to end the show. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody, as always. We really, really appreciate that you tune into this show every week, and we hope we live up to your high expectations. Reconnoiter. (laughs) Make a military observation of a region. They reconnoitered the beach before the landing. Okay, so it's a verb. It's not a proper... No, it's it's not not a a noun. noun. It's not a noun, but reconnoiter is something you do. Uh, recon. Well, is why also... isn't it reconnoiting or reconnoid? I don't know. Welcome like, to English. Reconnoiter is someone who does the reconnoiting or the reckoning. <laughs> You'd think. The no, that's a reconnoiter. This is to reconnoiter. <laughs> oh, reconnoiter. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying reconnoiter, like or. Oh, no, no, no. Reconnoiter is the thing you do, the act of reconnoitering. This is ridiculous. Or reconnoiterizing. <laughs> Reconnoterizing. That's yeah. what. Uh, okay. Anyway, recon. That's recon, what dude. Lawyers in the military do. Okay. Um, if you have anything to say about this, <laughs> which I can't believe you would, uh, give us a call at one eight six six four eight three Z O M B. That's four eight three nine six six two. Toll free voicemail line. We love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And just so everyone knows, earlier today. We passed 2,000 likes on our Facebook page. We sure did. So that made me very happy. I appreciate all the new people we have, uh, well, liking the page and hopefully coming to check it out and checking out the show. So if you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. And we really appreciate having you. We hope you'll stick around. Wow, 2,092 as of right now. We're almost at 2,100. And that's like, you know, we passed 2,000 less than 24 hours ago. So you you guys are the best. Um, If you want to... Email in and tell us how much of the best you are. Do so, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Good thinking. Love to hear from you. All right, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm Chris. I'm Jason. We will see you next time. Bye.